Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast, and I am your host, Felipe, and with me, as always, it's Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this morning? Uh, we are good, you know, just trying to get these allergies under control, you know. Welcome to Alabama weather, where you have nice, mild spring, followed by a tornado, followed by snow flurries, followed by just cold-ass wind. So, welcome to yeah. Alabama. <laughs> well, here in Chicago, this is supposed to, we're supposed to hit the 50s, but we also have a wind advisory, high wind uh, high winds of, I, I assume it's 30 miles an hour, maybe more than that, 40 miles an hour. I'm not sure. Um, it's the windy city after all, but we don't get hurricanes. But yeah, it's the nicest day uh, of that we've had in a long time, and it's still windy as hell out there. But yeah, we're going to make the day out, out of it um, after this podcast. So looking forward to that. But we are going to talk about starting pitchers. We do have a spreadsheet on the ready here. Uh, starting pitchers is a fickle subject matter here around these parts because, well, we saw it the last couple of years, Sean, they are so unpredictable, aren't they? Yeah, they're, uh, they're starting to look like they're uh, short inning, uh, siblings over there in the bullpen. You know, you never know what you're going to get year to year out of some of these guys, um, guys that were aces in the past, you know, you had Blake Snell and when Blake Snell was trading to the Padres, everyone was like, that's it. You know, Padres are going to win the West. I mean, it's, it's a given. And then Blake Snell kind of fell apart. You Darvish kind of, it, it's very interesting. You have some guys that overperformed, some guys that underperformed and some guys that just didn't pitch enough, like, you know, uh, a certain Jacob DeGrom. So well, uh, you told me that you heard uh, on Twitter that you Darvish after the, uh, they clamped down on the, on the foreign substances that these pitchers can use, that you Darvish's numbers kind of withered at the end. And I, yeah, it, it was an interesting like two month adjustment where you really saw the spin rates on a lot of his pitches go down. Uh, mm-hmm. But then in the last month and a half or so, um, they came back up, but not to the same levels. And the whiff rate was actually, I want to say, higher in probably the last month and a half than it was in the beginning of the season with sticky stuff, quote unquote. Well, I hope you're right because he sucked for me last year. Uh, like sometime midway through the season, all of a sudden you couldn't be, you couldn't be trusted. Him and Brandon Woodruff fighting his uh, in my points league. Brandon Woodruff's production just went out the window, and I wonder now. I'm wondering if he was kind of using some stuff. But anyway, let's get going. So very unpredictable. So you have the pandemic in 2020. You had guys adjusting to uh, going from the shortened season to the long season in 2021, and in 2022 you have a bunch of. Uh, a bunch of uh, uncertainty going around because of the lockout. We don't know when pitchers and catchers will be reporting. So that's going to add more to the dynamic as to how this position has fallen um, from grace here. Uh, Something I also wanted to mention before I forget, and it's going, going, gone. I forgot. Um, Oh, well, uh, number one, that's, we found out last year why Blake Snell had to be uh, pulled out of the, out of the world series uh, game clinching game. title game in 2020 because he's just not he good ex- <laughs> he exposed last year got exposed last year not the guy we thought he was uh there was other stuff i wanted to ask but let's get going i'll go ahead and share my screen i saw i see that jet wants me to talk about uh corbin burns but hold on just a second there jet from milwaukee as let's we have this uh sorted by batted balls per batter's face so basically you know how many batters did you face and how many batted balls did you allow or is it the other way around i forget uh yep it's batted balls divided by batters face and at the top of the list is some guy named peter lambert at 83.3 percent uh batted balls per batter face uh, so that's see, a colorado guy so um uh, well that explains it well yeah. randy dobnak from the minnesota twins i mean that's not surprising that he's up there lewis thorpe 
I believe also from the Minnesota Twins. Listen, if, if, if it's a high contact rate guy, odds are they play for the Minnesota Twins because they're cheap like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there a name that kind of stands out, sticks out for you? And, and just to reiterate, just as, as we've been doing this uh, the last couple of weeks, if you see red, orange hues, red is elite levels. Orange is above average. A yellowish color is average. Green or greenish hue is below average and blue is just awful. As you can see, this is just awful in my book, but is there somebody on the high batted balls rates that you see here that kind of catch your eye? I think one name here, and it's a guy that was basically a complete afterthought, both in real life and fantasy, uh, ended up having a pretty solid year pitched almost 180 innings. And that's uh, Chris Flexen. Of course, he was um, a Mets farmhand for several years. And then he was rushed out of necessity from his best minor league season to date. And he was had only made a couple of starts in double A. They promoted him to the major league team. Uh, but then they put him in the bullpen, something he had never done in his entire professional career. He came out. He struggled. They're like, okay, you're going to go back to the minors. He goes back to the minors. Uh, hasn't started in probably three weeks. Uh, has one or two starts. And then they call him back up to the big leagues. And they're like, hey, you're a starter now. And he went out there and just it, it was not pretty. And it was one of those situations where you see a guy, he's in the middle of his best season, and then they just throw a wrench in his plans. Like, you know, and, and the Mets have done this. Some teams have more success doing it, where, you know, you call up your top prospect and you put him in the bullpen. But this was like not a planned thing. It was a necessity thing. And uh, he ended up being DFA'd after two years, uh, went over to Korea, had a pretty solid year. Seattle signed him to a deal, and he actually returned really good value for him. Um, he had lost a bunch of weight, uh, as well. So, uh, all the power to Chris Flexen, but I'm kind of shocked to see he is more of a contact guy, but to see him up in that same range, um, as some of those other guys is pretty interesting. He is being drafted higher this year than, you know, he was last year yet in, in the ways that he's actually being drafted. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Chris Flexen builds upon his year last year. Well, one thing's for sure. I am not drafting Chris Flexen. He's all yours. But as you can see, this trio of, of pitchers here, Zach Granke, Chris Flexen, Cole Irvin, uh, high contact rate guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a great job controlling their walks. Obviously, it comes at the cost of strikeouts and they're pitch to contact pitchers. So but they are very productive. Uh, they 15 quality starts. That's uh, up there. If you're mm-hmm. looking for uh, guys you can trust a little bit, I don't trust them. But if your league rewards quality starts and maybe even some, I mean, you can see the innings. I mean, they eat up innings somehow. Yeah. And, so. and that was the thing that blew my mind was Chris Flexen just came out there and just pitched every day. But, and I mean, in fantasy, like there is some, you know, pros to that. If a guy's going to have a lot of innings, he might not be a huge strikeout pitcher. But this is something I talked about last year where a guy who you expect to throw more innings, but strikeout less per inning could be potentially more valuable in fantasy than a guy who's going to have a very good K per nine, strike out a lot of guys, but not pitch as many innings because in standard five by five, we just care about how many strikeouts. We don't care how many strikeouts per inning. It's just how many strikeouts. That is true. I'm still not getting, I'm not buying it. (laughs) I'm not, I'm avoiding those guys. I I mean, probably in a, a 12-teamer, he's someone you maybe draft at the end. But in a 15-teamer, I, I could see him getting drafted pretty regularly. Yeah, uh, I could see that too. But no, I, I definitely – I don't want any part of it. I, I just I, – th- these are guys I, I don't trust. I mean, I love that they are able to um, 
go and be durable despite the lack of stuff. But no, I this is not for me, man. I can't I can't do it. Let's see if we can find somebody else on this list. So those so uh, Chris Flex at number ten on the batted balls per batter's face. Let's see if we can find Dakota Hudson is an intriguing name, but he has a sample size issue. But um, as he only pitched eight and two thirds innings, so we'll keep an eye on that. I really don't want to talk too much about Dakota Hudson. Just someone that see if he can kind of replicate um, some of the promise that he had when he was being called up. So let's start at the list at number 14, but uh, not, not, I don't want to talk necessarily about miles Miklas, but just looking for anyone in particular that might catch your eye. I see this 22.4% strikeout rate from Zach Gafflin. And there's another guy who comes with a lot of good control. So you like Chris Flexen, but I, I, I'm pretty sure you don't like Zach Eflin. Is no, really... I, I do. I do like Zach. Oh, Eflin. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I, I like, sure. I, I, I like sure. Eflin and I thought it was a, a kind of interesting that he showed up right there as he did between guys like Marco Gonzalez. Cause Eflin is to That's me almost like a wheeler light. I mean, he has that good two seamer. They, they tried to, I think, work on him a little bit and make it more of a four seamer, but it's one of those guys much like Wheeler was and Wheeler's finally done it where he can feel more comfortable throwing that four seamer up in the zone. But it's like, you know, even with Noah Syndergaard in 2018, 2019, they're like, hey, you know, let's try this high fastball. And it's like, you have such good stuff. You don't have to throw that high fastball to, I mean, yeah, you're going to get more whiffs, but Zach Eflin is a guy pretty good at limiting hard contact. I'm not sure how he was exactly in 2021, but even going before that, when he broke out in like 2019 and 2020. He limited limited the hard hit rate. Yeah, he kind of let me down because I think I was really high on him last year. And um, he really didn't do exactly what I wanted him to do, but he's an interesting name because he's got the stuff. Uh, yeah. He has JT Real Mucho as a catcher. He's going to play on a Phillies team that probably wins a good amount of games. So, all right, let's flip this around. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to see the guy that uh, our guy Jet from Milwaukee, or not Milwaukee, he's a Brewers fan, but he's not from Milwaukee. He is a Wisconsin Knight. But the one guy that he wanted us to talk about was Corbin Burns. I mean, <laughs> this is the complete opposite. The other guys were more craft and more uh, about pitch location and pitch to contact. Burns, like his name suggests, he's going to show up a lot in red. Limits hits, a uh, huge ground ball hitter, uh, ground ball pitcher, sorry. Um, high amounts of strikeouts, 35.6% K rate, controls his walks, quality starts up the wazoo. There's a lot to love here. Mr. Flannery, is there something you don't love about Corbin Burns? Not necessarily. There's nothing I don't love about him, but he has some of the, uh, he pitched 167 last year. And I almost feel like it's going to be hard for him to repeat that. Mm. I'm not sure how much he grows on top of that. I wouldn't say he's as much of an inning risk or innings pitch risk liability as Jacob DeGrom, but all of those Milwaukee pitchers, it, Maybe not less so Woodruff, but Peralta and Burns, I really think are going to, I don't know. I, I I don't trust them to get 175 innings plus because mm. Milwaukee was doing that down the stretch last year where they were doing a lot of six starters with, you know, Aaron Ashby and stuff like that. And uh, I think that's going to be another thing we see more of this year is the six starters. Yeah, I was going to say a lot and, of teams and, and are I think doing that, that. I think that affects Corbin Burns. Granted, it might help him stay healthier. I mean, he might not pitch 200 innings, but he might pitch 160, 170 instead of 70. Like, it, it, I, I don't know. It'll be a trade-off. Um, well, I, don't, here, I don't think I've drafted him in any of my teams or mocks so far. I think I'm, between like him and DeGrom, I think I've picked DeGrom once. I haven't picked Corbin at all. Well, I'd probably go to the next tier down. The guys like Alcantara, 
and Giolito, stuff like that. Well, speaking of Alcantara, he's one of the four, one of four pitchers that finished with more than 200 innings pitched last year. The list includes Zach Wheeler at 213, which is mind blowing that that's the league leader now. I mean, I'm not, I shouldn't be surprised, but not, but the more you see it, the more mind blowing it is. Walker Bueller, who <laughs> that's the ironic part is that we, I've been complaining about him and the Dodgers kind of babying him. And it turns out that uh, he's the one that turned out to be a workhorse. Adam Wainwright, who <laughs> it's like what, 40, one yeah. years old is at this point. And your guy that you just mentioned, Sandy Alcantara, were the only uh, four guys. Uh, where did Corbin Burns finish? I don't see he, He's going to be down there at uh, 32, 167. Ah, thank you for that. There he is. 32nd, despite the this banner year he had last year. Uh, yeah, he did have some durability issues. But I was going to say a lot of teams are switching to that six-man uh, six rotation, bullpen games. Um, elongating um, uh, rest between starts. Uh, you know, I remember reading an article at, from the Atlantic. I know the Atlantic, right? They don't, that's not a sports magazine, but the writer wrote a very, and this was like a few years ago, maybe mid 2010s. And he made a very uh, compelling case that maybe we should kind of change and turn our mentality as to how we view these starting pitchers instead of uh, doing you know, seeing how far they can pitch per starts that we should just be letting them pitch three or four innings and then rest them because they make so much money and they're so valuable. And at that point, it was seen as crazy talk to even imagine. And we're pretty damn close to that. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that uh, a non-sports magazine was able to uh, call that. Let's go to uh, ground ball rate really quick. See if uh, we see guys that we like, we don't like. Right off the top, at the top of the list is Framber Valdez, who still kind of uh, makes me quizzical as to how he's been successful. But we'll we'll take a look as we get to uh, if we get to the pitch selection stuff, uh, what he's able to do to uh, be so successful. Despite that, every time you go into his, uh, his Statcast page, it's all blue. It's all low, low, low percentile numbers. So, and, and I think you've explained it to me before, and I still don't understand. But we'll get to it. There's Dakota Hudson again. That's a uh, playing time issue because he only pitched eight and two thirds innings yeah as he aside, came back from tommy john so he, he's right, predicted right. granted if it's going to be his first season post tommy john you can't expect more than maybe 120 130 innings mm, and he sure and he has it. his own issues because he he's one of those elite ground ball guys the the sinker almost sinks too much mm. and there's a little bit of a, a walk issue uh, well, last year he was able to keep it in control, but again, that's a sample size issue. And uh, but you are right. He, I remember if I, I vaguely remember seeing his walk rates being too high. Yeah, in 2019. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So with that being said, let's look at the uh, beginning from Logan Webb and work our way down. Is there a ground ball pitcher you want to uh, focus on from this a- list that you see here? Adrian Hauser's my dude. Like he's uh, one of the, one of the most like underrated guys. Especially, and it's like you said, another Brewer. I think he just gets overshadowed in that rotation of legitimately three aces. And he went out there, and he's not going to strike a whole lot of people out. Granted, I think that he could, like, if he changed the pitch mix a little bit. But he is, you know, as the graph shows, an elite ground ball starting pitcher, you know, 60-something percent ground ball rate. He pitched to a 3.2 ERA in uh, 2021 over... Uh, he made 28 starts, 100, um, a little over 140 innings, only 105 strikeouts. But he has, you know, like a, a couple of pitches that he could do something with, but he's just really good at barreling in that sinker to right-handers and then getting the, the curveball and the slider down and away. And if I think he started throwing that slider more 
it that's his slider had the highest whiff percentage of all of his pitches. Um, Let's take a look. Yeah, and and you pair that with his sinker, which is one of the most or the best performing sinkers because and you, you know in the statcast era we're almost trained that sinkers are bad pitches. They get hit hard. Um, they're they're not great, but they batted two oh nine against his sinker. Uh, they had a expected or not an expected a launch angle of negative six degrees on his sinker. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just it's a ground ball machine. Uh, his second most used pitch was the curveball, but I'd really be interested to see if he switched up this curveball slider usage because I think that slider is you know a potential very very good pitch. Well, as you can see from the chart here, it, it, it's mostly fastball and it's probably the sinker. Uh, that's how they group it. Uh, that's how I grouped it here. Uh, with the fastball percentage, the breaking ball percentage, and off speed, I just went with a general look. Otherwise, this this spreadsheet would go on forever trying to, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, get every pitch, every unique pitch that's available out there. So, uh, obviously, sinkers fall under the fastball category, and he still utilizes it a lot. Still with a decent velo, not a lot, not a lot of spin though on that. Is that a concern? I mean, you also uh-huh. saw that he had a very high walk rate. Is are none of these things a concern for you? Uh, the the issue with the sinker is it's going to have less inherent spin just because that's what makes the sinker sink. And he actually gets an additional two and a half inches of vertical movement compared to average on his sinker. Um, and he gets a good horizontal, the, the his changeup plays off of his sinker and that it fades in the same kind of direction, uh, almost like a circle change. Um, but what is interesting is last year he tried throwing a, uh, he's always been a sinker four seamer guy. Uh, really didn't start throwing the sinker consistently until after 2018. Uh, but in 2020, he threw that fastball, you know, 20% of the time it got crushed. But in 2019, his forcing fastball was very good. And then you look at his forcing fastball again this year, also very good. And then look at the heat maps of it on baseball font. They're all right at the top of the zone. Yeah. And granted, he's only the average velocity on it's 94 miles an hour. So that's good. That's solid. And I think he's just trying to figure out like, I almost feel like he needs to get rid of a pitch. Like, get rid of the curveball. Like, that, that's that's what it is with him. Like, he has a yeah. great sinker. He can obviously locate that four-seamer up. Uh, he left it down in the – like, middle-middled a couple of too many times. But uh, it's a very interesting profile. Uh, he's consistent. He goes out there. He gets ground balls. Uh, he, he's got, you know, a solid ERA for his career. I think it's – yeah, it's 3.7. But that was after a 5.3 – in 2020, but uh, in seven games in 2018 out of the bullpen, 3.2 ERA. 2019, he made 18 starts, 3.72 ERA. This year was the only year that he's made like the vast majority of his starts in the rotation, and he puts up a 3.22 ERA, which, and it came with a slightly, he's going to have a higher whip than the high strikeout guys, but that 3.22 ERA for a guy that's going to get drafted in like the 20th plus round. Like, I think that's valuable. Yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. But again, a lot there's a lot of concern. And But, I mean, I, this is a guy I've been kind of keeping an eye on because I do, I do kind of like what he brings to the table, so to speak. But the results are just, ugh, they're just kind of frustrating. But if you're telling me it's because he's still trying to learn or trying to find himself. I mean, what do you think about this off-speed stuff here? The the spin is pretty high, but it's a, it's a pitch that he, it, these are pitches. Uh, there's a pitch category, I should say that he only utilizes 11.1%, which is pretty low even for um, 
this caliber yeah. of pitches? Is, is this something that he should be utilizing more in lieu of the curveball, or is this just a sample size thing here? Well, it's like uh, baseball's fun right now has him as he used the curveball. It was the second most used pitch at 14%. He threw his sinker uh, 54% of the time, uh, but his curveball, 14.5%. They batted 279, uh, slugged 410. And it had a 346 Woba again, so he actually got lucky throwing this curveball. It only had a 24% whiff rate. And then his slider, on the other hand, he threw half as le- or half as much at 7.5%. And they batted two, uh, 250 against it. Expected batting average of 216. Expected slugging of 341 uh, while they actually slugged 455. So he got unlucky throwing the slider. Um, it, they had a 313 Woba against but a 257 expected Woba against his slider, which was tied for the lowest among all of his pitches with his four-seamer, and it had a 28.6, which is nothing crazy. That's not outlandishly good, but for a profile like his, that was the highest whiff rate among all of his pitches, which makes me think that you know if he was sinker, four-seam slider, and then mix in the changeup against lefties, I think that would be really good for him. All right. Let's move on then. So that that's, this, as you can see, this is the leaderboard among the ground ball uh, leaders here, ground ball rate leaders. Uh, it's uh, I don't know. It's a mixed bag of pitch. To, it's a lot of pitch to contact pitches, and it's a lot of uh, unimpressive names to me. But then there's Max Fried, um, who I still boggles my mind how he's able to turn into this ace like World Series hero. But that's baseball for you. There's Ramon Marquez who. Always comes with uh, a lot of hope and promise, but then you remember that he plays in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to another category as we are kind of short on time, but just wanted to, my favorite stat of all time, strikeout rate, the only stat that matters for pitchers. Yes, give me all of these guys. No, but obviously you can't get all these guys, Jacob DeGrom, Dustin May. But what we're looking for is <clears throat> we are looking for certain players who may uh, – not have gotten a lot of playing time last year for whatever reason. Dustin May definitely fits that category. It's a guy that I've been keeping an eye on for a long time, just waiting for the opportunity with the Dodgers to let him be part of the rotation and not be this back and forth guy between bullpen and starting rotation. Uh, do you see any other name in that like that kind of fits that profile? Yeah, um, and I, I just wanted to harp on May for a second. Of course, now we're going to have to wait for him to recover from Tommy John surgery. But right. this is a guy who... His name popped up there in the when we were looking at, I think it was the batted balls. Let me, I just want to double check. Um, but it was like on the, the best of the batted ball guys he was at. Let me find him. Oh, crap. It's fine. No, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go to strikeout percentage because he shows up pretty high there. Uh, he's projected to be, I think, the Pirates opening day starter. Uh, I don't even think he signed a major league deal, but that's Jose Quintana mm-hmm. blast from the past. Jose Quintana. He shows up here under the caper or K percentage. He is at, Oh my God. I, now I, Oh, there he is. He is in between number 23, Zach Wheeler and number 25, Charlie Morton. Oh, okay. There he, is. he posted a 28.6 K percentage. Uh, let me go. Okay. Now that I know where he is. Yeah, he was at 59.3 in the batted balls faced, which put him in between Tony Gonsolin at 12 and Max Scherzer at 14. And this is a guy I always remember Quintana being, you know, like that elite contact, soft contact, ground ball pitcher type deal. 
but that's not how he was. I mean, he didn't have good results in 2021. He bounced, I think, from the Angels to the Giants, and now he's with the Pirates. But he's an interesting arm, I guess, because like he has some of these weird peripherals where it's like, he never used to do that. Like, that's not what Jose Quintana used to do. But he did it in a very small, short sample size with not good results, albeit so. Yeah, it's uh, it's a mystery. Um, and I don't want to talk too much about Jose Quintana because that brings up, uh, you know, the trade between the Cubs and the White Sox where they got uh, the White Sox got Dylan Cease and Aloy Jimenez, two uh, integral parts of their of the rebuild. And Jose Quintana maybe gave you a decent a season and a half of production before yeah. it kind of all fell apart for him. But yeah, every time you look at his numbers, like, why is he so bad? It's, it's the only well, thing I mean, he, he started mind. dealing with a bunch of injuries, if I remember. And then yeah. he, the Angels, I think, were the ones that initially are. OK, this is saying he's with the Giants, but he's I know he's with the Pirates now. Yeah, he, he is with the Pirates. <laughs> oh, he did. It was a major league deal. One year, two million dollars. All right. Good for him, man. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, let's see. And I guess we got to do the reverse. Let's look at the deep sea guys here. Um, oh, boy. Oh, Jesus. All right. Um, how do you want to do this? Is there is there a name that kind of just shows up uh, of these low strikeout guys that you might consider going after in drafts oh, this year? Oh, goodness. Um, uh, I don't like any of these. Uh, Michael Lorenzen. Maybe just because he might get a, some two-way run in L.A. Okay. Um, what about a- Adrian Hauser? Obviously, we're going to take Adrian yeah. Hauser. We like him. And speaking of the Brewers, uh, Jet has something to say about that as uh, he's up and at it this morning. Craig Council definitely made me frantically wave my boomer fists pulling pitches <laughs> early. Well, unfortunately, like I said. Everybody, every team's doing that now. That's like the thing to do now. So that that almost sounds like uh, the like the gauntlets of some superhero. Uh, I bring you the boomer fist. <laughs> boomer fist. Speaking of boomer, no, not really. Uh, Jacob, who just came off of uh, doing a podcast on a Friday night, has been kind enough to join us this morning. How are you doing, Jacob? Uh, I just saw that his episode of the Step Back with Leon is up and at it on audio-only formats. I'm assuming it's also on YouTube, so go check it out as uh, they kind of uh, previewed the All-Star game uh, on Friday night, I I believe. Uh, Did you watch any of the All-Star game last night? I What was it? It was the skills on the three-point in the dunk contest, right? Correct. I watched watched two-thirds of the skills challenge before they started doing half-court shots to see who actually won, Um, and then I fell asleep. (laughs) <laughs> it sounded like my wife. She also fell asleep watching. That's like a Valentine's Day tradition in my household. But yeah, and the dunk contest came on. And like, uh, oh, I heard man, it was terrible. Man. I heard it was so bad. Listen, man, I look forward to that dunk contest every single year. I don't care what anybody tells me. Ah, this used to be better when Michael Jordan was in there or Vince Carter. I don't care, man. I love seeing the new, the new young guys make a name for themselves in these things. But that that was a that was just awful, man. And I like all <laughs> I love all those players that were in that contest, but. They got to do better. They got to choose better dunkers or something. They got to do something. I don't know. That, that was disappointing. I, I uh, think the I, last time I watched it was like when they had the outdoor one and it, it just went over terribly. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not watching this anymore. And 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 meanwhile, you got a seven a seven footer winning the three point contest and Carl Anthony Towns as uh, Jet is uh, telling me that he went beast mode. And yeah, yeah, it's um, it was a sight to see him basically take a take his uh, half inch vertical and just draining threes like nothing. And <laughs> this is off the heels of him proclaiming himself as the best 
shooting big man of all time. So anyway, that's enough basketball for today. Go check out the step back. Uh, what about AJ Alexei? I'm not sure too much about him, uh, but he, like I said, he shows up uh, with a 17 and a half strikeout rate, but with a 63.9 batter batted balls per batter's faced. Um, is, is there a, a chance he could be something or is this just, I think he was like a, just filling in for the Rangers. I'm not really sure where he fits into their, uh, history you know their plan going forward yeah he made four starts um he had a solid 2021 in double a and triple a though uh striking out 10 per nine or in double a 11 per nine in three starts and triple a uh posted sub two eras in both spots but uh yeah this is where it gets a little interesting in double a in seven starts he had 13 games but only made seven starts he had a 93.1 left down base percentage and then in his three starts in AAA, he had a 98.4 left on base percentage. So stranding a whole lot of runners, posting very low BABIPs, which he posted a low BABIP even in the majors, but 4.7 ERA. I, I don't think he's – I could pull up their roster resource. I don't think he's slated to start for them. Well, he's probably, probably the, just depth, but, you know. Yeah, this is the list that uh, Austin created. And, oh, uh, no, he's uh, projected to be starting pitcher number four. That's that's And that's why he's on oh. this list. That's the, this is the pair down list, unfortunately. So the Rangers are going to be bad this year, if it, it sounds like. All right, last thing I wanted to talk about uh, on the strikeouts. So the average, it looks like it's 23.4. So let's drop it down. Do we want an average strikeout rate on our teams this year? Let's go down to the 23.4% guys. There he hey, is. You got a lot of interesting names here. You got a lot of interesting names. Yeah, yeah that's why they're in the mid- middle of the road, guys. And this Rip, Raver San Martin, I feel like we talked about it. Is he with the Reds? Yes, he he's one of those three guys that the Reds kind of were rotating yeah. in and out. Uh, you had um, uh, the Castillan guy, I think it was Tony Castillan, Vladimir Gutierrez, and oh. Raver San Martin. They all, like, some of them made some starts. Some of them went into the bullpen, and they kind of all rotated around. So San Martin uh, only pitched 11 and two-thirds innings, but did face 47 batters. Uh, Batted balls per batter's face is pretty uh, on the high side. I don't like it, but he does post a decent amount of ground balls, I guess you can say. And he came with a low ERA, but we all know ERA could be flaky. He does have great control, as most of these uh, pitch-to-contact guys uh, seem to display. Uh, Does the StatCast stuff show me anything? If my computer will cooperate with me, Uh, expected Woba uh, at a respectable 274 and an 87 mile per hour uh, exit velocity average. So some promise, but yeah, nothing too spectacular, at least not in my book, but at least the strikeout rate and the walk percentage is pretty healthy. Uh, Any other middle of the road guys that kind of uh, stand out for you here? I mean, it's interesting because if you look slightly above that 23.4 list, you start seeing names or uh, players like Max Freed at 23.7, Luis Castillo at 23.9. Uh, I think Drew Rasmussen, who's in between both of those guys, could see his K percentage skyrocket. Uh, I, I think he's due to strike out even more guys. Um, I do as like well him, as, but... as well as, you know, if you go up a little bit, you got uh, three out of these four guys really – Four out of the six. I really like if you start at number 72 and go down to 77. You got Taiwan Walker, Steven Matz, Mike Miner, Jesus Lazardo, Brady Singer, and Zach Eflin. I love Eflin. I really like Matz in St. Louis. Uh, Jesus Lazardo, I have no clue what's going to happen with him. Like uh, he has had such a quick fall from grace. 
Uh, Sean, really quick, uh, how yeah. did how did you have this sorted? Because I still am on the strikeout parade, but I don't see any of the guys you just mentioned here. Uh, they're at twenty. They're they're below average now. They're now twenty one. Oh, uh, yeah. So it seven. starts at twenty two point three, and go up to Eflin's twenty two point four. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um. So I I, I love Matts in St. Louis. Lazardo, I have no clue. Zach Eflin, we've talked about. I like. Um, Brady Singer and Mike Miner. I'm kind of mad about simply because I feel like they they spent all those picks on early prep arms. The prep arms are finally getting here and they're just having no results. And I don't think Salvador Perez is helping. I mean, that is, yeah. they, they need to get him out from behind the plate. Uh, I mean, that's Kansas city staff had the, I, I believe the highest percentage of pitches like on the corners and around the black were called for balls. And wow. I mean, and when, when you have young arms and then you make such a good pitch, and your catcher is consistently just not getting the call like that, that has to mess with you. And, you know, if anything, young pitchers have very fragile mental states because they go out there and they're going up against guys who have been doing this for eight, 10 years and they make a great pitch. They're like, yeah, I just struck this guy out. Nah, no, that's going to be a ball. Let's continue the at bat. And then he takes you deep two pitches later. And it's like, what the hell? So um, they, they need to get him out from behind the plate uh mj melendez is set to probably replace him at catcher this year they might share catcher dh i'm not really sure how melendez has improved his defense but it has to be better than perez right well uh does he have an arm like salvador perez because that's the yeah, one thing that he, people he, he, he has, he has, bring up he has a really good arm mj melendez well, well, there you does. go just get the get the change going on just make salvador perez dh long term and you everybody wins everybody wins. it makes too much sense for them to do it that's the problem <laughs> Uh, expected batting average. I don't want to talk too much about this as uh, that's kind of more of a theoretical stat. I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but I wanted to get to the other uh, plate discipline stuff. But I like Hans Kraus up there. I like Hans Kraus up there in the expected batting average. How many innings did he pitch? I have no idea. Seven just, innings, seven innings, but go. he's got an insanely low expected <laughs> batting average. But what was his ERA? His ERA was over five. Everybody else in the top 10 had a sub three ERA. And, and, that's and wild. Failed. And he was defeated by Bruce Willis and Die Hard. So uh, <laughs> that's Gruba. <laughs> oh, my bad. Uh, so the average expected batting average average, say that 20 times fast. Expected batting average average, average. was 242. So I am in the middle of the road, guys, right here uh, with Logan Gilbert. Uh, is the Mariners? That's the Mariners guy, right? Yeah, the that's that's the, that's the, yeah. Yeah. So um, that just is expected. Uh, really good control. Strikeouts were surprisingly pretty high for a guy who was. Uh, uh, expected to be more of a control artist and a dominant strikeout guy, but uh, you, I think you would take the 25.4. Yeah, both him and Kirby kind of showed more in the minors last year in terms of strikeouts. Gilbert was obviously closer, and I, I want to say Gilbert always had or was projected to be a slightly more stuff guy with great command yeah. compared yeah. to Kirby's very much that kind of paint the corners type guy. You know the thing about Kirby is that he's every time he sucks up an opponent. Oh my god! <laughs> I, well, I, I just I just knew that was gonna I, I knew that was gonna be said. And you couldn't do anything to stop it. Shame no, on you. <laughs> we do have a pop culture life. You could talk about Kirby there as well. Uh, let's see. So we're in the batting average. Any other guy that kind of uh, sticks out? I mean, Frankie Montas is right there. I mean, we like him. The twenty quality starts. That's a guy that we should all know. Although the walk rate is pretty high. Uh, I feel like that's always been a problem with him. Yeah, uh, could, could the, the control is always going to be a thing with Frankie Mullins. The th okay. even bigger thing with him, though, is he just needs to not abandon the splitter. And this is something splitter pitchers seem to always do. They lose it for like two starts, 
and then they just don't throw it for a month. And it's like when Frankie Montes, he has a good sinker, he has a good slider, but when he doesn't have that splitter to keep hitters honest, it's just like he he can't do anything. And I don't think he did it as much this year. Uh, he threw it more consistently. Um, I like Montes. He's getting drafted probably a little bit too high for how much I like him uh, compared to previous years. I used to be able to get him a little bit deeper in drafts, but uh, as long as he's in Oakland, he's a pretty interesting fantasy option, but and we'll see where he I, – I think he's a guy that gets traded for sure this year, though. So we'll see where he goes. Another uh, interesting name, Jose Barrios. I know you don't like him, or at least you are very critical of him, but you can't – he's one of the few guys that has a little bit of an orange hue on both the strikeout and the walk rates. So that's something to – that uh, kind of – that really attracts me as well. So I'll be looking to see if I could snatch him up on the cheap – now that he's in Toronto, although now that he's in Toronto, that might yeah. be a concern. <laughs> he might get a lot of wins, but that ERA might jump about a run and a half. You see, well, we I, all know I, that wins is the only way to evaluate these pitchers. Anyway, hey, so. in, in fantasy, in fantasy, they're still relevant. <laughs> Don't ask me well, there why. There you go. There you go. <laughs> mm. uh, I, I think Matthew Boyd's an interesting name. Uh, he still had, you know, that middling. He had a terrible year overall. Um but the numbers seem like he was pretty much unlucky. Um, and now he is a free agent. He is a guy that I've been clamoring for the Mets to sign on like a minor league with invite to spring training or like a one-year $6 million contract. Just a solid depth. Uh, lefty, which they only have. Do they even have a lefty in their rotation right now? I don't think I do. So that's fun. Um, but yeah, uh, Matthew Boyd, you know, he's had a slight fall from grace after being really good at the end of 2018 and uh, 2019, but uh, interesting guy. Uh, we're moving over to expected Woba. That's a stat you've been mentioning on and off here. Uh, the expected average Woba is 312. Wow. All right. So let's go down to the 312 guys, see if we can find someone that we like or don't like or whatever. Uh, so the it's two guys that finished with a 312 expected Woba average against Adrian Hauser. There's that name again. <laughs> Boy, oh boy. You this is just the Adrian Hauser show. <laughs> this is why Jeff hasn't left yet, because he knows we're going to talk about his brewers the whole time. And uh, Wade, Miley's are... Okay, so I like Hauser a little bit more than I do Miley. I've never been a fan of Miley. Why should I like Wade Miley Cyrus here? Um, I actually... I, I drafted Wade Miley. I'm in a, a league hosted by Prospects Live where we paid $50 up front, and we played for five years. And each year... I mean, there's, I think, dozens of leagues going on. And so there's like a, a win your league, you get a payout. If you win the overall, you get a payout. Um, and then the most like points at the end of the five years gets a payout and stuff like that. It's pretty interesting. Wade Miley was available in the draft my team needed. I think it was in my either the 20 or 30 team one. I, I needed starting pitching. So I drafted Wade Miley in the little in-between years draft. Uh, can you tell me if Chicago is going to have a good defense? Uh, I really, I, I, they need to have a good defense with all which, the pitchers they have. Which Chicago? Oh, the, 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 the Cubs. The Cubs. The Cubs. Sorry, I, I thought you were talking about the Bears for a split second. Um, who knows, man? And, and I don't even know who's going to be there uh, throughout the year. As there's, they got a lot of veterans that they need to trade for prospects or whatever they can get. Maybe a bag of balls, a bag of chips, a bag of donuts. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I'm not, I'm not too attached to this uh, Cubs current roster as this. Uh, I mean, they're definitely they're, they're like throwing out a type. They're throwing out a type. Like that's if you look at the rotation: Hendrick, Stroman, Miley, um, Alzale, and I can't remember the fifth guy. 
It sounds like the 2020 and the 2021 Cubs. It's just they're just cheaper. I think we talked about this before. Pitch to contact pitchers are cheaper, and therefore the Cubs are going to uh, stockpile on them because they don't want to pay top dollar for pitchers anymore. Alec Mills. That was that was the other one. You know, Alec Mills. Oh, he's the, he's Mister <laughs> Pitch to Contact. You know, that entire more, rotation is pitch to contact. Pitch to contact, more craft and stuff. And as you know, Eno Saris uh, agrees with me, or I agree with Eno Saris. But that's a prediction. That's a theory I always had. Stuff is a better indicator for future performance than craft. Uh, so says his uh, projections and numbers. And Eno Sirius is a more established name in fantasy baseball than uh, I am. So I will see to him. And No, and- no. I, I'm going to send a strongly worded email that you are uh, just as equal to Eno Sirius. Oh, I thought, no, I, you're wrong. You're wrong about that. But no, I, I mean, you, you see my pitching stuff. I always go for the guys who I perceive have really good stuff. And I always feel like command and control could be something that could be taught depending on the pitchers. But yeah, the other thing I probably have with a lot of these pitches contact, especially with the Cubs and Cuff isn't going to bring this up a lot this year. Kyle Hendricks is Greg Maddox. Stop doing that. <laughs> stop. I think we stop, stop it. About, Get some we help. Talked about this, <laughs> Kyle Hendricks will be lucky if he's Jamie Moyer, another former Cubs player. And that's it. These pitch to contact pitchers are more unpredictable than the guys with a lot of stuff, but we all know what the Cubs are trying to do here. So it's not even worth mentioning. But no, I'll be avoiding Wade Miley as always. So, <laughs> I mean, in, in deeper leagues, if that defense is good, I mean, I could see them having some success. Just like you know, they're they're building around. You know, they they try to get because I'm not sure how good of a defender Wisdom is. He had a four DRS at third base in 2021. I, I don't know how Schwindel is. Madrigal and Horner. I think Horner had a good year defensively, but that was mainly at second base. He's going to be at shortstop now. Madrigal will be at second. I, I don't know anything about that outfield. I, I like Ortega as a hitter. I'm not yeah. sure how good of a fielder he is. Hayward is like 47 years old. Listen, and- don't get attached. Cup fans, do not get attached to this roster, all right? A lot of those guys, they, Sean just mentioned, even Wilson Contreras, they're going to be gone soon. So you're going to see some double-A, triple-A guy who's all – Well, they need, to trade, see- they need to trade Wilson Contreras to the Braves and get back like Pache, and they just need to go all in on the – Pitch to contact and defense. Like no. that would be so much fun. No, here, here, here. They need to trade Wilson Contreras to the Braves and get back uh, William Contreras. From the oh, Braves. that would be something. William Contreras, Christian Pache, and uh, some other prospect. Make it happen. I, Make I love it, it. Happen. It's the best trade the Cubs have done in the last couple of years. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> some other guys, Huascar Yanoa shows up on the uh, middle, middle, mid tier ex Woba factor here. Hasco Yanoa as a guy who kind of has some orange and uh, and reddish hues here on the strikeout and walk. I love him. That's a guy that I'm always targeting. Don't like the fact that he broke his hand. Yeah, some immaturity. I, yeah, I, I was just gonna say. I, I would say I love him too because I don't want to make the guy mad because I, I, I I've seen what happened when he gets mad. Sean Manaya uh, upped his uh, strikeout rate and suddenly looks like the someone you want you might want to go uh, ask him off to the dance to. What number is he at? He's number 85 on this list. Of, 85. Uh, uh, I, I don't like Sean Manaya, and it's nothing against the guy personally. Mets fans have been saying all offseason, oh, we need to trade for Chris Bassett or Sean Manaya. Give him J.D. Davis. Give him Jeff McNeil. We really need Sean Manaya. And I'm like, if you take Sean Manaya and put him in any other park where he makes 16 of his starts at not the Coliseum, <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. I mean, he gets so many outlets. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't I think it. I don't think he's a good. I, I think he's a solid innings eater, like back of the rotation. But I don't think he's like a two or a three. And no, some I'm people always, treat him like a two or a three. 
I'm always wary about Shamanaya because of all the reasons you just mentioned. But man, it, there's every damn year he shows something shows up in either the stat cast numbers or in the projections that go, you know what? That's Shaman, I've been too rough on Shamanaya. Let's give him another chance. And here's another example. That's a decent strikeout rate for a soft tossing lefty. And the control is there. But you're, you're right. All the other things that you mentioned uh, is a cause for concern. Uh, and uh, I think that's pretty much it here on this list. Uh, who's this guy? Jordan Montgomery, but yeah, Yankees. Shamanai is just a lefty Rick Porcello. Hey, some people would say that, that Rick Porcello was a good pitcher. Not me, though. Hey, hey Rick Porcello had a higher um, Fangraphs war than. Have, no, it was uh, in 2020, uh, the short in 2020 season. The top two pitchers that were becoming free agents going into 2021, the two highest pitchers in the Fangraphs war were Trevor Bauer and Rick Porcello, even though Porcello had an ERA over five. That's why I don't trust. I don't trust Rick Porcello. I, I thought that the one year where he won the Cy Young was a oh they, oh, oh he he, he shouldn't so have won it. He, that was Justin Verlander. He should have won. Another name yeah. I want to point out was uh, John Means. By the way, John Means might be someone you want to. Although I does he how long term is his injury? I thought he was injured. Uh, I think he's supposed to be healthy. Okay. Um, not 100% sure, though. Might be confusing him with some other guy from the Orioles then. Let's move on to barrel rates. Um, like, you know, you know, we talked about this long enough about the about the uh, pitchers and the hard hit and, the, and all the stack has. Because I don't really want to move on to the play discipline stuff. But basically, really, really good pitchers have low barrel rates and really bad pitchers have high barrel rates. So there, I said it. Uh, yeah, there's Jose Quintana, even though we just talked about him. But yeah, it's a mostly pitch to contact pitchers. So um, I show up on this Steven Strasburg at number 18 at 10.2% barrel rate. I did not expect that from him, but yeah, you, he, he's cooked. Purple tunnel. He, he, he's cooked. No, there's gonna I think Strasburg is cooked. I mean, he, you're he, gonna see some stats here that, that, that are gonna surprise you. You'll see, you'll see. And the hard hit rate is, is the same trend. Uh, oh, June Rasmussen. Well, that could be one of those where, and Garrett Richards too, where they throw hard so they get hit hard. So, Tyler yeah, I mean, Glassnow. like Tyler like, like, like Glass was up there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. All right. Well, then let's move on. Shane Bieber's always been that type of pitcher. When he gets hit, he gets it hard. That's true. Um, let's move on to uh, total inside the strike zone swing and miss. Uh, and as you see, it's a who's who of uh, elite pitchers. There's a guy that shows up, Dylan Cease. I've been down on him a lot in the last couple of years. But uh, I don't believe that progress and maturation is linear because, you know, it's it's more of an up-and-down kind of thing in Major League Baseball. But the more I look at Dylan Cease's numbers, the more I'm encouraged that maybe this could be something that's linear and maybe Dylan Cease can take the next step in 2022 where he could be a trustworthy uh, starting pitcher. Do you see it that way or do you see it differently? Uh, I, I'm on the fence with Cease. Oh I, I, like, you I don't like I, anyone. No, I do. I do like Cease, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It's I need to see another year of it. I, I need to see another year. But uh, yeah, uh, Tariq Skubal is kind of surprising. But you know, Tariq Skubal, for all for as bad of a uh, uh, up and down season he had last year, he stuck it out and survived 2021. That's- yeah, I, I'm in on a lot of the Detroit young arms this year with Tucker Barnhart behind the plate. Uh, Barnhart wasn't as good of a, a framer in 2021 as he has been in the past, but one of those calls a very good game. You know, guys like Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray had some of their best years under with Tucker Barnhart behind the plate, and I think he's going to be a really good influence on guys like Tariq Skubal, uh, Matt Manning, and Casey Mize. 
inside the strike zone swing and miss percentage. And Felipe, why are you looking at inside the strike zone when you've only done outside the strike zone for hitters? Well, inside the strike zone, I can't help but imagine, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, Sean, I can't help but imagine seeing guys who are um, going up there and just have impeccable command and just lights out stuff for like here, here's a pitch inside the strike zone. Good luck hitting it. And there's so much movement and there's so much velocity that these hitters are just going to whiff right through it. And of course, as always, yeah, it's a I'm, who's who. Jacob DeGrom, Michael Kopech, Freddie Peralta, who we're high on, uh, rounding out the top three with Dylan Season number four, Max Scherzer number five. Any name that kind of surprises you? Because uh, I got one of Patrick Sandoval. And Patrick, I was, yeah, but I was going to say it, and he's he's <laughs> been a popular name in terms of uh, fantasy baseball Twitter recently. And he's a guy that I was huge on in 2019 when he made his debut. Um, or when he was getting called up that summer because he started off the year in double-A in the Southern League, and I just missed getting to see him pitch. He was supposed to pitch in Montgomery, and he got promoted to triple-A. Never got to see him, but he's got, I want to say, three pitches that are over, like, 30% whiff rate. Um, Yeah, it's a a fastball slider change-up kind of look. That's I don't want to look at Aaron Sanchez. I want to look at Sandoval. Is he he still – who's he with again? Uh, L.A. Angels. The Angels still? Yeah. Wow. And they but said that it, the Angels can't find pitching. How weird. <laughs> the issue with him is, you know, he gets hit pretty hard. Um, I mean, he had, uh, had a good year this year, you know, in 14 games started at 3.62 ERA. Um, this year, he actually seemed to have definitely improved upon the average exit velocity against. Uh, yeah, he was really good in 2021. Holy crap. I didn't realize how good he was. Yeah. Wow. Um, Talk about sleeper. Oh, did he switch up the pitch mix? Yes, he did. He threw the changeup more than any other pitch, and that is his best pitch. Oh, I love it. That's cool. I hadn't looked into his season at all until, yeah, 139 batting average against his changeup with a 51.4% whiff rate, his slider at 38.3%. Oh, that's what it was. His changeup, I think, had the second most or third most highest whiff rate compared to only Jacob DeGrom's slider and um, shit. There was he had the, that changeup had the third highest whiff percentage of any pitch in baseball. That that's sum it up. Jacob Degrom's slider was one. I can't remember who it was two. Oh, it was Glasnow's curveball. I think that's what oh, it was. Okay. Well, uh, the off-speed average spin isn't there. Uh, I guess you don't really need to have a, a high spin. But then you got you see a guy like uh, who's this guy right here? Uh, oh, is that really John Means? Wow, John Means with a two thousand two hundred fifty-six average spin on the off-speed pitches. So. Uh, we'll get to it in a little bit. Um, how are we doing on time? Okay, it's the top of the hour. We did start late, so we have a little bit of a leeway here. Uh, another name, I mean, Chris Sale. I mean, we know who that guy is. Kevin Gossman, that's my guy. There he is again, Sean Manaya. It's like, I don't know, Sean. Uh, you keep saying all these bad things about Sean Manaya, but there he is with the command and the, do I dare say, decent stuff to get hitters to be off balance inside the strike zone What's how about no gold member <laughs> oh is that just that okay. yeah that, that, that's the line. how about no gold that's from awesome powers <laughs> i know i know i know but i was hoping that you would uh tell yeah. me oh you know what the more i see it the, you give me the whole patrick sandoval spiel about it but anyway the opposite side of things uh again Randy dovnak dakota hudson even with uh, him limiting um uh, the the uh, high velocity exit velocities. He's still um, same old Dakota Hudson. So basically, all these guys are um, throwing batting practice. And then there's Adam Wainwright. 
Uh, every time we think Adam Wainwright is done, um, well, he, he he's comes... not. He's not trying to get those misses in the zone, though. So that's I. I think him. You know, with his established ability, he's trying to like, get contact in the zone because yeah, I think he. But... Tr- I think he trusts the outcomes. No, that's well. I mean, obviously, but not just the inside. But there's really nothing except for total outside strikes. But again, that's more about his durability and just his uh, pitching know-how. But a lot of this stuff, I mean, he's not inducing a lot of swings. Um, he's even outside the strike zone. He's uh, giving up a lot of contact. Well, uh, so it's not very dominant, but yet it's very effective. Is what well, I'm trying to say. Do here. you see that giant red dot that's on Wainwright? If you sort it, he had the high, the largest, or yeah, the the most. The most called strikes in all of baseball by almost a hundred called strikes. Yeah, that's that, that's, Barrios, that's, that's yeah. really interesting. I, I think to me. And then you keep hitting on Jose Barrios, but there he is again Man, at the top of the list. Jose Barrios at the price. Aside from the price that the Blue Jays got him at, I like that's a solid deal. I know that was a good deal for them. Uh, but yeah, if they hadn't have signed him and they gave up what they did, that would have been dumb. No, I mean, you, you had, if you're the Blue Jays and you're going all in, you, I think that was the move to make no matter what. Um, so anyway, uh, there's Zach Greinke, Patrick Corbin, uh, Matt Manning, a uh, uh, highly touted prospect from the Tigers. I think you said you believe in those young Tiger pitching core, including Manning Casey used to be Mize. the guy I was the highest on, but now I'm leaning towards Mize and Scooball. But wow. Matt Manning has the, the frame. He's just got to figure it out. Let's see if we can find anybody else who might be attractive here. So a uh, guy with a high outside of strike zone swing and miss and uh, pretty uh, respectable, if not very good, outside of strike zone contact rate, and that is Framber Valdez. And there it is. My answers have been questioned. The reason why Framber Valdez is so effective is that he keeps hitters off balance outside the strike zone. At least that is my theory looking at this chart. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he it's the, the curveball. It's so much a good pitch out of the zone, both for swing and miss. And for getting a lot of ground balls, which we obviously know that Framber Valdez get, does get the most ground balls in baseball. And it, he does it, you know, in an interesting way that it's not a prime. Like he does throw a sinker and he throws it a lot, but that curveball is the go to pitch. I mean, everything else is a change of speed off the curveball. And a very high average spin on that breaking ball, on those breaking mm-hmm. ball pitches at 2,873. Where does that rank? Let me double check. Oh, okay. Wow, that's fourth overall behind guys like Julio Urias, Charlie Morton, and Dustin May. So he's in good company there, and that would explain why he's been pretty darn good for the Astros over the last couple of seasons, uh, despite all things considered there. And what were we? We were here, and let's see. Oh, this is um, – what the hell? Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Wrong wrong column. Wrong column. Let's go back to the inside of strikes, and let's see if we can find one more name that we can talk about on this. Let's go down a little deeper. More in the greenish hue, still on the low side. Which category are on this? The inside, inside, the inside strike zone. Okay, gotcha. Swing and miss percentage. Yep. Uh, any name. Oh, there's Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> it's like the more I want to get away from Kyle Hendricks, the more his name shows up. And and for, I'm sorry, this is not in a good way. But again, that's it, Kyle Hendricks. Uh, you can okay. throw him into the, the uh, Adam Wainwright category, I guess. Uh, I'm seeing uh, Steven Strasburg being sandwiched in between. Martin Perez and Marco Gonzalez. You, you're gonna tell me he's not. Oh, there he is. He, he's toast. He's done. Well, he's done. He, he, no, he's done. He's done. No, look, look, though, <laughs> outside the strike zone, swing and miss 57 and a half. And he does not give up a lot of contact outside the strike zone. Hitters can't keep up with him. Look at that whiff rate 28.2 for a guy with carpal tunnel. Come he, on. He, he's done. So he's done. So uh, that wasn't the last surgery he had that knocked him out, was it? Was it the carpal tunnel? 
I, that's the last thing I remember about him. Oh. He had a carpal tunnel and that he couldn't. I, I thought I he. That, I thought he had a TOS. Oh, maybe that too. And I don't know. It's something to do with his shoulder. He's been having shoulder uh, issues, but no. Let's. No, I want to believe in him. If he's healthy, I want to believe in him. Get squeeze one really no. good season out of him. He's you already been, got the really one good season. Got him a national champ or a national championship. Got him a World Series. Yeah, you're right. It was a national. That uh, that was what they got. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, total outside the strong. Oh, no, we're doing uh, outside the strike zone swing. Oh, now here's my category. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Jacob DeGron, Corbin Burns, and Raver San Martin. We just talked about him, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> Holy crap. So keep an eye on him. Uh, Domingo Herman. What? I, I know that when uh, uh, our guy Melvin was doing the updates on the Caribbean World Series last year, uh, he would mention Domingo Herman a lot. And uh, I don't know, uh, are these are these real or is it just a surprise factor that he had going for him last year? What do you think? I don't know. It's I, I think the most interesting guy in all of that is someone like Sandy Alcantara, who we saw take that next step, because, you know, obviously Alcantara was a good guy, like in the zone with so much movement of the sinker and velocity. Mm-hmm. But he really started throwing his slider in such a way that it was enticing to guys to swing. So they started off as strikes, but ended up outside the zone and hence increasing his outside zone swing, you know, uh, percentages. Uh, but that's a, that's an interesting one. I'm kind of uh, Michael Waka being that high is interesting. Um, yeah, he is a fan grabs and stack cast starling, and I can already hear the uh, boomers Waka? telling me that. Waka? Is he? Sometimes you'd be surprised. When I was, like, looking for starting pitchers, Michael Waka's name showed up a lot because sometimes uh, throughout the year, FIP and those other categories – Love what he what he brings to the table, like XFIP and uh, Sierra. He posted some respectable at times uh, when I was looking for free agent starting pitchers last year. I mean, I want to say uh, I was expecting a little bit more in the Ray signing, but now he's going to be in Boston, both him and Dick Mountain. So that should be fun um, <laughs> for hitters. You mean? Yeah, well, Waka had a five ERA. Well, yeah, here, here's he, the issue right here. He got uh, strikeouts he got and walks. Uh, he posts enough respectable of a strikeout rate and definitely keeps his walks in check. No, he gets, but, he gets creamed when they make contact though. <laughs> but when they make contact is the, is what the problem is. And yeah, 70.5% yeah, batters. But I mean, things like this though, uh, what was it? The uh, outside the strike zone swing. And this is, you're, you're inducing swings outside the strike zone. So to me, that's always been a category and it's full of guys, but here's a surprise. Kyle Hendricks again, just when I want to get away from it. And outside the strike, uh, strike zone. Outside the strike zone swing. So he induces a lot of swings, but he has to because he's a pitch to contact pitcher. But yeah. still, uh, Pablo Lopez is up there. Uh, let's go down a little bit lower. Uh, these are the last 30%. You got Luke Weaver. So Michael Walker, Luke Weaver, basically the same pitcher. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Avra Alzale, the one guy on the Cubs who um, is not a pitch to contact pitcher. But... No, he's, he's still a ground ball guy. Well, he, he has uh, a slider that likes to make him think he's not, but no, he uh, is. In terms of stuff, by the fall, he probably has the best stuff on that team. On fastball alone, I mean, he has the highest velocity uh, on average than any Cubs pitcher, at least when I last checked, unless he too succumbed to some sort of weirdness last year and whatever. But it, it's like one of those things don't belong together, and that's him. Average hey, Felipe, I, so, I, I have a dare for you. I want you to go on Twitter, okay. and I want you to say Albert Alzali has the best stuff in the Cubs rotation, and I want you to tag Marcus Stroman. And I want to see how fast you get blocked. Because <laughs> that would be a really oh. fun competition. <laughs> oh, no. Excuse me. Oh, I, I no. would do it myself. I would do it myself and, you know, just say it came from you. But then we both get blocked. 
but I'm but already com- blocked, so I can't do that. But compared to like the other guys who are just going by craft, I'm sorry, but by default, and it's not 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 nothing to brag home <laughs> about. By by default, I mean. 93.4 miles an hour uh, on average fastball velocity. Woo, that has blow, got, blown it by him. Blown it that by That has him. got to be better than anybody on that Cubs rotation. Better than Wade Miley, I think. But <laughs> better anyway, than Miley and Hendricks. <laughs> better than Wade Miley, Cyrus. Those old, uh, those old men. <laughs> and Ted Hendricks over there. So, uh, any uh, Danny Duffy, but he sucks. Oh, no, no. Here's what we're <laughs> Shane McClanahan. Finally, we're talking about a good pitcher here. I think I told you the only problem I have with Shane Clanahan is that he pitches for the Rays, and we don't never know what the Rays are doing. I mean, that's like, but you know what? All these good pitching teams, they all have six-man rotations. They all have bullpen games out the wazoo, and they all limit their pitchers to four or five innings at most and limit them to three or three, less than three times around the batting order. But I, we talked about McClanahan at nauseum last year as someone that we need to uh, keep an eye on, and the numbers back it up. Uh, and there's Patrick Sandoval again and Robbie Ray, who he won the Cy Young last year, right? Yes. Oh, and is now in Seattle. So there you go. Uh, who's Tucker Davidson? Tucker Davidson, pitcher, Atlanta. Uh, I don't think he got traded to Pittsburgh, but yeah, he's, um, I want to say a lefty, kind of one of their topper prospects. Um, he made a couple uh, of starts, spot starts. Um, yeah, he's still lefty from Atlanta. I thought he got traded to Pittsburgh, but that was the that was Bryce Wilson that got traded to Pittsburgh for ah, uh, Richard right. Rodriguez. That's right, the closer. Yeah. Uh, moving on to outside the strike zone, swing and miss. And again, these are the categories that make me salivate. Again, the who's who of awesome starting rotation pitchers: Tyler Glass, now Shane Bieber, Shane McClanahan, Jake LeGrom, Clayton Kershaw in the top five. Is there another name you want to talk about uh, besides Steven Strasburg, of course? Oh uh, yeah. Um... There's Blake Snell. I think Josiah Gray is an interesting name there because he's a guy. Uh, he started making regular starts for his major league team down the stretch after the Max Scherzer deal. He is going to be in that Nationals rotation, yep. and I think he has three quality pitches. Um, as long as they can, he can mix it in such a way that they don't just hunt his fastball. I think his changeup and uh, breaking pitch. Uh, I think he's going to do be pretty solid. Um, and then Tony Gonsolin, I think, is an interesting name. Yeah, uh, we we all we always talk about the Dodgers rotation, and it's like, oh, they have so many good guys that you know who who was it, it was like it used to be Stripling, and now it's Gonsolin, and yeah. it's like you know that these guys they might not start off the season in the rotation, but by this way or the other, they're gonna make ten to fifteen starts, and they're likely going to be very good starts. And I think Tony Gonsolin is one of those guys. There's Tanner Hoek, who's another guy that we were clamoring for the uh, Red Sox to throw. Basically, if if a pitcher is high on this outside the strike zone swing and miss percentage, uh, their odds are they're kind of be pretty elite. So let's flip it over and see if we can find. Uh, hey, Jesus Lazardo has a higher outside the zone swing and miss percentage as Kevin Gossman. What? <laughs> oh, hey, there's a reason why I drafted both those guys at one point. Uh, that's I, uh, I mean, they're they're virtually the same, but it's just so weird because Jesus Lazardo's had so many issues. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a difference between being a veteran like Kevin Gossman and an unproven uh, prospect like Jesus Lazardo. Hopefully, he'll uh, bounce back with the Marlins. That's like another guy I'm kind of uh, keeping an eye on in drafts because I can't help myself. Outside the strike zone, swing and miss percentage. So we're looking for any kind of red, orange hue on this page here. So let me go over and there you go. Uh, here's a guy, Ron Yarbrough. Uh, as much as I don't like Ron Yarbrough, uh, he there's another guy who just brings me my attention. 
uh, with the 31.7 outside the strike zone swing. So he is inducing swings outside the strike zone, but it's obviously for contact reasons. And who do you see on your end there? I think this whole list is a very interesting like set list of names because you have some guys that are control pitchers. And I want to think that they're going to be on the tail end of the swing and miss outside the zone because some hitters will be like, hey, I know this guy. He lives in the zone. And if I see anything that it's even – well, no, like the command guys, they live inside the zone. Like Kyle Hendricks. Zone. Inside the zone. Auto zone. Sponsored. (laughs) Anyway. um, Cole Irvin too, huh? Yeah, like all of those guys. And so a pitcher or a hitter in their mind while they're in the batter's box might be like, hey, if I see anything that looks even partially off the plate or it looks like it's going to come in, I'm just not going to swing at it because I know this guy throws strikes and it it doesn't look like a strike immediately, you know, whatever. So they, they don't have like the nasty stuff that looks like a strike and then ends up a foot off the plate. So I think that's why why some of the command guys end up here. And then partially just because they don't pitch out of the zone all that much grip. Yeah. So, uh, but then you have some people like, you know, Spencer Howard has good stuff. Adrian Hauser has good stuff. Um, but it's mainly like the contact guys. So that's like, it's an interesting, weird, like John means I wouldn't expect to be there. I think with his changeup dropping out of the zone, but I also think that him and Giolito were kind of the same way. I think, their changeup gets good results, whether it's in the zone or out of the zone. So, and the only thing, other thing I wanted to point out was what this, what these low uh, outside the strikes on swing and miss guys tell me is that they they're just trying to paint corners. They're all trying to be Greg Maddox, but without the natural ability and talent. So, because not everybody is Greg Maddox, damn. It's like oh, I hate when they do that. Anyway, I don't want to go back to that well again. So, what is the average? What is the nice happy medium here? Forty three percent is what the average is. So let's look at some of those average guys before we move on to the next thing. Um, there he is. So the most average guy on the outside the strike zone swing and miss percentage, Luis Castillo, which is a guy we've been <laughs> kind of, uh, well, we've been disappointed. We, we were disappointed in him last year for sure. But uh, that's a guy that we've been talking about since the very beginning of this, the existence of this podcast, how much we love him. Uh, will we see the a more dependable Luis Castillo in 22? Uh, I died. I, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 like Luis Castillo is just to me, like, I don't know what I'm going to get from him. Like I'll, I'll draft him, but <laughs> I, I'm just, it's one of those, like whatever at this point, it, it's so up and down with him. It seems like I, I almost feel like he's turning into the NL uh, Jose Barrios. All right. Last thing with the whiff percentage <laughs> again, same thing. These are the stats you want to look for when you're trying to evaluate uh, elite starting pitchers. What is the oh, look, happy- Jacob Degrom again? Yeah, no, <laughs> like every Degrom. time we go to the the highest, it's like Degrom. Degrom. As a Jacob Degrom <laughs> owner in a keeper league, it, it just pisses me off to see his mm. name up there. Like what could have been? Uh, and Matt Bush, my buddy uh, over at the Football Life podcast, the Audible, he told me he he looked at my team last year again. And how did you have a losing record with his team? Like I don't know, man. Everybody got hurt. Everybody started sucking. Whatever. You see, this to me makes no sense that Jacob Degrom also had the highest swing percentage in all of baseball. Uh, that, that's weird. If you just do no. swing percentage. It's not weird. You know why? Because good pitchers will induce a lot of swings. But Tyler Anderson's number two. <laughs> All right. Well, Sandy Alcantara is number four. Michael Walk is number three. <laughs> okay. Jose Urquidy is number five. Those are two pitches you've been clamoring uh, for the last couple of years, too. Hey, I like Joe, Joe Ryan. I, I like Joe Ryan. I like Joe Ryan, too. Kevin Gossman. You know how I feel about Ke- Robbie Ray, your Cy Young winner. Carlos Carrasco, uh, a guy. Yeah. More often than not. So you, either you have a high swing percentage because you're trying to induce contact 
or you're you have a high swing percentage it, because your stuff is so good that hitters cannot lay off of it. Yeah, it was really interesting watching him. You know, every start from 2021, some get like some teams just had like it was one of two approaches. Like they were going to go up there and they swung at the first three pitches, and then you had teams that wouldn't go up there and they wouldn't swing on the first pitch at all. <laughs> it was just they they couldn't decide. It's like okay, we're going to try and get him behind in the count, and he was just like. Jacob DeGrom goes, ha, 101 on the black outside corner. Like, <laughs> you're not getting ahead of the count, bub. The most average whiff percentage is 25.6, and that belongs to Bruce Zimmerman. That's not someone we want need to talk about, right? Please tell yeah, me. Yeah, but who's me. around that? Nate Nate Valdi's at 25.9. Tyler McGill's 25.9. Uh, Walker uh, Bueller. <laughs> yeah, some interesting, Nate. Oh, Walker oh, Rodriguez. Look at that. Eduardo Rodriguez. Yes, I think Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be a big-time winner for fantasy leagues this year. Bigger, big, big ballpark, also. big ballpark, solid defense, a lot of speed in the outfield, hopefully. Yeah. Sorry, remind me where he's at now, Eduardo. And, uh, Detroit. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see here. Who else? Pablo Lopez, although that's a lot of green and bluish hues, so that's a kind of a red flag for me. Um, uh, Spencer Howard uh, still showing, trying to prove to me that he's still a, a highly touted prospect, even in Texas. So what was the, the total uh, or the average with percentage? Uh, 25.6, Bruce Zimmerman. 25.6, Jose Barrios, 23.7. Oh, okay. Up there. That's, with, a, that's a red flag. Yeah, Wade, Where is he, he has the same whiff percentage as Wade freaking Miley. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> uh, there he is. I see him. Ah, but oh. look at this. But he does induce a lot of swings and a lot of swings and miss outside the strike zone total. Uh, swing and misses. So this, he's doing something right. I mean, <laughs> listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna celebrate Adam Wainwright for just uh, padding those stats, we should do the same for Jose Barrios. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Twenty five point six. So is that what I said? Yeah, Bruce Zimmerman. Mm. Uh, any other name that kind of shows up? Jose uh, I think it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with Luis Patino this year. I mean, like he yeah. was a guy that yeah. Tampa like tried to give him the ball, but like he wasn't earning it, and so they just stopped because they're trying to win. And it's like so funny that like the Rays, a team that, you know, cut corner and not really cut corners, but, you know, cut cost, you know, yeah. very frugal. They get this big time pitching prospect like Luis Patino. And instead of actually give just giving him the ball outright after trading their ace, I mean, at the time, Blake, uh, Blake Snell for him, uh, <laughs> they let Patino pitch or Patino and he didn't deserve it. And they just took the ball out of his hand, put him in the bullpen and said, next man up. And I, th- I think that's a really interesting thing because, you know, the quote unquote cheap teams normally would be like, hey, this is the guy. He was the the headliner of the deal that we traded our ace for. We need him to pitch. He's going to put, uh, you know, asses in the seats. But the Rays were like, nah, dude, if you're not going to get the job done, you're like, go sit in the bullpen. Like, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Patino. I still think he's going to be a reliever, but he's going to be a very good reliever. John Gray is a name uh, that we I feel like now that he's out of Colorado. I mean, you, let me go back. Uh, Texas I, I Ace. Yeah, I mean, that has got to be nothing but benefits for him. I mean, look, there's a lot of orange on this. The one thing that you don't see is the outside the strike zone swing percentage. He wasn't losing a lot of strike, uh, a lot of swings outside the strike zone. But that could have something to do with the thin air or his breaking pitch is not falling that way. But there's a lot to like about him. And that brings us to our next segment, which is the uh, pitching tendencies. How many uh, fastball percentage, fastball velo, and you see that he still uh, believes in his fastball. It's still at a healthy 94.9 miles per hour. The breaking pitches are also there, a uh, decent amount of, of average spin there, and even the off-speed velocity is 87.6, which is uh, 
at the top of the list there as well. So a lot to like for John Gray. That's a guy you I am keeping an eye on. Uh, how do you want to do this? You want to do fastball percentage, fastball velo, fastball average spin. What do you want to look at first here on the um, fastballs? With fastball, let's look at velo. Yes. I, I want to see if we have any sort of outliers here. I'm already seeing a couple. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, obviously he's not the outlier. Uh, I think Michael Kopech is an interesting name to see if he can maintain any sort of velocity. Yep. Um, is he projected to be in the, the rotation at all? Uh, that if he's on this list, odds are, I mean, I mean this list is from December, but as you, you know, the lockout has frozen yeah. everything, so no free agency, no movements. Okay, yeah, so roster resource has him as SP5 right now. Yeah, and um, more than likely, he needs to get that rotation because you cannot justify him being in the bullpen. Well, no. I mean, you can, but you yeah. got to give him a chance, right? Especially when you're a team that already has Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell, like. What what are yeah. you doing with Kopech back there? Like, anyway, uh, insurance um, for Kimbrel if he sucks again. So. Carlos Hernandez, that was the guy in Kansas City, I think. I would be so shocked if that is the same guy because that's not what I think about when I think about a Royal starting pitcher that high amount of velocity. Yeah, that's uh, that's Carlos Hernandez. Uh, Average ninety seven point two according to Fangraphs. Holy crap! And, that's and he had a, well. he had oh, a K per nine under eight. So that that does make sense for Royals pitcher. <laughs> uh, let's see what else do we see here. Um, Luis Patino again, Jesus yeah. Lazardo again, Logan Gilbert being that high is kind of interesting. Yeah, and uh, Logan Gilbert throwing the sixty-one and a half percent fastball. So what? That is that a sinker then or a two-seamer? No, I, I think I think he's a four-seam guy. That okay. pull it up, but yeah. Um, okay. And also okay. seeing uh, if you scroll down for me while I have baseball savant pulled up. It was um, – oh, where is he? Scooball having a little bit of a higher velo. I like that. Number uh, 35, yep. Yep. So, interesting. Not- Josiah Gray, interesting, because he has a solid fastball. I just feel like Gray's fastball isn't consistent enough to this point, so – so we're seeing a lot of guys that we like. So uh, with the high velocity, it's no coincidence that even um, that that having that high velocity would usually turn out for better results. The opposite side of the spectrum. There he is, Ryan Yarbrough, the lowest velocity in all of baseball with an 83 average yeah. uh, fastball velocity. That's uh, wild. Miles Prover. That's Wade sad, Miley. That's so wild. Wade Miley, Kyle Hendricks. Basically, every Cubs pitcher known to man will be a, There's Alec Mills. This is why Adver Azale is better than all those guys, because at least his fastball is over 90 miles per hour. Suck on that. Yeah, Gilbert's straight four-seamer. He threw it 61% of the time, and the heat zone for it uh, was uh, wow. not pretty, because it's basically all just red, giant red radiating out from middle-middle. So That's gotta, awesome. got to work on his fastball command. Slider was in good spots. The changeup was kind of like Giolito-esque, throwing it high yep. in, and into righties, curveball all over the place, so. That's great. I mean, because you, you, we assume that Logan Gilbert was just a command pitcher. So with those guys, they don't depend too much on, on velocity. But I mean, if if need be, he can. Uh, and I mean, and his fastball do didn't it. do terrible. Like I mean, I had a, a three or four boba against. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the uh, baseball savants run value, it was actually minus nineteen. So that's very, very good on the four seamer. It's probably one of the best in baseball. Uh, a couple of names I want to throw at you. Ravor San Martin again. Uh, he shows up with a decent whiff rate of 27.7% and just missing the cut on the orange hue is Zach Thompson, which is a guy we talked about last year, uh, kind of coming out of nowhere for the Marlins, I believe, uh, just utilizing that fastball uh, to no end, even despite the fact that it only it sits at 89.6 miles an hour on average. Which, but it which comes with Zach Thompson. Oh, with yeah, the yeah. He was high. 
average spin rate on that as well. Uh, you still like him for next year, or are you I, still I, having your thoughts? I'm so and so on Zach Thompson. I did share a tweet from him, I believe, yesterday, and it was something to do with fastball woba or something. Oh yeah, here it is. It was uh, so uh, Alex Fast. Uh, over there with pitcher list, and he also works for ESPN now as well. It was the most consistent pitchers on a start by start basis with a sub four FIP overall. And the top 10 was Trevor Rogers, DeGrom, Bueller, McClanahan, Zach Thompson, Freddie Peralta, Jordan Montgomery, Lancelin, Woodruff, and Logan Webb. And somebody responded to it, and it was, you know, all the guys in the boardroom, but like there's like the crackheaded big bird in there. And it's like all the people at their laptops, DeGrom, Trevor Rogers, Bueller. And then the label over Big Bird is Zach Thompson. Because <laughs> he just does not fit in with that list. But he's an interesting name. I, I, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I'm mad towards it. You mentioned Jordan Montgomery. Uh, he shows up on the low end of the fastball, despite the fact that he hits up 91 miles an hour. 29% whiff rate, along with a uh, high swing rate as well. So, but the fastball spin rate isn't there. Not that, I don't know. Does, is this still a thing, fastball spin? Well, we'll take a look at it right quick, but uh, I want to go back up here. There's you, Darvish, sitting at 90 miles an hour, but a very high average spin rate and a decent whiff rate, despite the fact all the, all the things that we talked about at the beginning of, the, of, this, of this episode. Yeah. Uh, let's go down a little. What's the average? I'm sorry. The average is 92.6. So let's go 92.6. And there's a couple of names. Jose Suarez, who I don't remember where he was pitching. L.A., I believe, uh, Angels. Another Angels. And Zach Elfman, there's that name again. Uh, Anybody else that kind of pops up? Uh, Tristan McKenzie, I know that we didn't have very nice things to say about him last year, but that's encouraging. He he has to maintain velo through starts. I mean, because he's a guy that goes out there in the first one time through the rotation. He's probably averaging 94, 95. And then by the time he gets to the fifth, sixth inning, if he gets there, it's, you know, low 90s. It's He's such a fastball-heavy guy, it's hard. Joe Musgrove, uh, there's a guy that I loved last year, and uh, he I, I was pretty satisfied with him. And there's a 2,599 fastball average spin. Let's take a look at the average spin next. Now I'm, I'm, I, it's something I always wanted to do. Does average spin mean anything? And sure enough, there's a who's who of, uh, of pitchers. Corbin Burns, Hugh Darvish, Joe Musgrove, Michael Kopech. Uh, it's Mike Miner. Holy crap. Oh. Mike Miner's always been a high spin guy like that. He was like, I don't want to say like the initial guy, but he's been like that for a long time. It's why he's always played up, even though he's yeah. lost so much velo over the years. Uh, Dylan sees Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias, Walker Bueller. So a bunch of Dodgers pitchers there. So you could tell they're what their philosophy is. And running out the top 10 is Garrett Richards. Another guy, just like Mike Miner who can just spin the crap out of the ball, but it usually comes with uh, mixed results. Yep. So with that he's, a, being... he's a free agent. He, I think he's an interesting guy. He was much better in the bullpen in Boston. And I still think that we're waiting on the day for a team to sign him and be like, hey, Garrett Richards, you're our closer now. And he's going to be really fun. Some red flag pitchers who are, are at the top of the list. Let's move out of the top 10 and go out to there's Zach Thompson. They get number 11. Excuse me. Some uh, red flags that we might see here. Uh, Dylan Bundy, very high average spin, but 22.9 whiff rate, which is on the low side. Spencer Turnbull, which is a guy I know that you've been heralding for the last couple of years. You still believe in Spencer Turnbull? Yeah, but he's he's coming off Tommy John, so it's all you know up in the air with him. Okay. Uh, there's John Means again, uh, who was probably the only consistent pitcher, but uh, mid-tier whiff rate. 
Uh, Kyle Freeland. Uh, I don't want to deal with Kyle Freeland, but again, <laughs> these are just guys with very high hey, spin rates. It's like, remember that time Kyle Freeland finished third in the Cy Young voting behind Jacob DeGrom and Aaron Nola? Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> the average is 22-29. So who falls on that list? 22-29 goes to a couple of guys who came close. Carlos Carrasco and Jack Flaherty. Those guys are good, right? Yeah, they're okay. They're okay. Carlos Carrasco, uh, I, don't, I, ever, some, I, I want him to be so good for the Mets. I'm not seeing it, though. I, I think he just hasn't pitched enough in the last two, three years combined. He's everything is going in the wrong direction. Ground balls are going down, home runs are going up, exit velocity going up. Uh, I, I think he's cooked too. Uh, this is so. This is average fastball spin uh, on the low whiff rate. It's a guy, Jamie Berea. So we've been uh, looking for positives for the Angels. And is Jamie Berea still with the Angels? I don't remember at this point. Uh, he should be right. Oh, uh, Berea, Berea. Okay, you, you said Berea, right? Jaime Berea, yeah. Oh, I, th- I thought you said Barrios, and I was like, who's that? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I want to say he's he was still Angels last I looked. All right, so uh, maybe be wary of him. He throws his fastball a lot, decent amount of spin on average, but, yeah, the whiff rate's really low. Do we have anybody on the high? Let's show Otani. So, yeah, all the Angels pitchers, uh, uh, there's always something good to say about them, except for Jaime Berea. Um, yeah, JT Brubaker. Oh my god, this JT Brubaker character. There's another guy that showed up so many times early on in the year, like through June, on pitchers that you need to pick up. Um, uh, is is that is that going to be something that he can piggyback off for 2022, or was he exposed as the year went on last year? Uh, I don't like any of those pitchers in Pittsburgh, okay. honestly. I, I mean, uh, like Brubaker is interesting, he definitely did, you know, underperform. I mean, the, the strikeouts per nine were solid. What was his actual K percentage, though? Um, 24%. Uh, That's not bad. Yeah, it's just he gave up a lot of home runs. A, yeah, a lot a of home run, a lot of home runs. 2.03 home run per nine. Yikes. That ain't going to get it done, bub. Nope. Let's move on to the breaking ball average spin, which is another one that always piqued my curiosity. And it's, uh, again, same thing. Who's who of pitchers and Gary Richards, always. Uh, Paulo Espino, it's a guy I don't trust, but he shows up on the list. Um, He's a fun story. He spent like, I think, uh, 11 years in the minors. I mean, really kind of crazy story. And I mentioned Kyle Hendricks and Adam Wainwright being basically the same. And yeah, all these metrics show them as basically identical, except for the fastball spin, which Kyle Hendricks is way below average. They are way below. Uh, But everything else uh, kind of... uh, well, you know what? Kyle Hendricks makes up for it by having a very high off-speed average spin rate, and I'm hoping to get to it uh, as the last thing we talk about. Uh, is there a guy you want to talk about on the top of this list? No, nah, I mean, it's it's pretty much the the who's who's. You know, you, all these guys we kind of know to have good breaking balls. Um, you know what? I forgot to do it by um, low fastball average spin. So let's take a look at that quickly. Patrick Sandoval, again, despite the lack of average spin on the fastball, 33.9% whiff rate. So something to think about. Ian Anderson shows up on the list, uh, on the bottom of the list of average fastball spin, but he makes up for it with a very high uh, uh, whiff rate as well, 28.5. Go ahead. No, no, no. You, oh, you go. You yeah, no. And then we go to the greenish side. Uh, Jose Quintana again. It's like the same guys keep popping up. Herman Marquez, Steven Strasburg, Tanner Hoke, <laughs> and Alex Wood guys with low fastball average spins 
but very high or decent amount of whiff rate. Let's go back to the breaking ball average spin on the high rate. Actually, no, let's go by average. The average is 2418. 2004. 2,418 is the average. It's by revolutions per, per minute. Wait, right? 2,000 or 2,418? No, 2,418. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was about to feel like we're going to go really low. So, oh, oh there it is. Matthew I, I Boyd. Guess. Yeah, not surprised. That, yeah, if you anytime I see yellow, and I now think about Matthew Boyd. He's at <laughs> 2,415. And sandwiched between Huesca, you know, who we talked about, and AJ Alexei, who we also talked about. Uh, Carlos Rodan at the at uh, among the uh, mid tier guys uh, has a very high whiff rate. Him along with Max Scherzer and Blake Snell as well. At the okay, well let's let's go down to this guy at hundred. I I think he uh, he I don't think he's very good. He's got a, a, a middling breaking ball average spin. I, I think we need to all be out on this guy. Definitely do not draft him. He is not good. His name's Shohei Otani. He yeah, he's he just sucks. not good. He, he's just not good at all, guys. I mean, only averaged ninety three point seven on his fastball. Like, whoa, come on! That's not that, bad. That, that that that's terrible. That's like he's just barely better than Zach Greinke. Come on, guys! Nobody draft Shohei Otani. Like, no, th- this is not a good pitcher. He's not even a good. He's not. He's not good at all. Just don't draft him. He has a little batting average, so I was yeah, like, yeah, by, he, by he, old people and, that uh, <laughs> Granted, he's got a good batting average for a pitcher. He batted two fifty, guys. <laughs> all the more reason to let them hit, right? Let them hit. <laughs> Uh, so that's it. Let's take a look at the bottom of the list now and uh, the deep, the depths of the sea here. Uh, Ian Anderson, wow, what does Ian Anderson do? That change up, uh, four seam high, change up low. That, that's that's it. So, yeah, so it's not the NLB all, but it, it, it is. Uh, I mean, you guys saw the names on the top of the uh, the leaderboards on, the, on these uh statistics, and more often than not, the guys who are on the top. Are always good, but every once in a while you get a guy like Ian Anderson with a respectable 28.5 whiff rate. Lucas Giolito, uh, despite the low breaking ball, uh, spin yeah, rate, him and Giolito throw their change up almost the exact same percentage 31.8 to 31.4. Trevor Rogers, another guy, if he, I, I always wonder what his season would have been if he would have uh, stayed healthy. Or, yeah, I know he had that, uh, the, th- with the family, it was right, yeah. it was really weird. And then I think there was like when he was trying to come back from it, he had to go through COVID protocols, but they weren't saying That's it. Right. It was really weird. Uh, and then another guy with uh, a low a- uh, average spin, Kevin Gossman. But you all know how I feel about Kevin Gossman. So and there and we already talked a lot about these guys. Robbie Ray. That's another guy who sucks. Low breaking <laughs> ball uh, uh, spin rate. Granted, I, I, I do think Robbie Ray is going to regress a lot. I, I, I don't he's not going to suck, but yeah. I do think he's going to regress. I wouldn't be surprised either. Last thing, uh, off-speed velocity. Uh, again, it's off-speed. It's supposed to be low velocity to kind of offset the fastball. But you're seeing it again. Sandy Alcantara, Tyler Glass now, Walker Bueller, Jacob DeGrom, Corbin Burns. This stuff matters. But don't come and tell me that this is just a more um, analytics bullshit that you're afraid to accept. And this is why Shoya Tani is so good. He has a pretty decent velocity on his off-speed pitches to kind of offset the fact that he has no spin rate on his breaking ball pitches. I mean, he has a good slider. It's just not a really a high spin rate one. He's got a good slider. And then, of course, that splitter is just nasty. Oh, absolutely. Like, w- when you look at, like, Alcantara and uh, DeGrom and uh, Bueller, uh, Wheeler, all those guys that are right there in the top 10, those guys are averaging, you know, 97, 98, 99 miles an hour on their fastball. And mm-hmm. so everyone's like, oh, your, your changeup should be 8 to 10 lower than your fastball. Well, you take eight to 10 off these guys' fastballs, and this is where they are. They're in the, the low 90s. So yeah. it, it makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. 
down to another tier. Uh, is there a name you want to talk about uh, from number 25 on? Oh, for the all-speed velo? Yeah. Well, let's see. Not necessarily. I mean, because you got, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be more like splitters, power change-up guys. Um, well, a splitter is always uh, lumped in with the fastball for some reason. The, it's, oh, it's not mixed in with the off-speed? No, no I, I I forgot what it was for change-ups, but I was kind of No, it, it, it has to be because if you do sort by off-speed percentage, uh, well, Kevin Gossman's number one. Yeah, Kevin Gossman's number this. one in off-speed percentage. So that has to be his splitter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I could have sworn that splitter and cutters were lumped in with fastballs. Let me see. The cutters I know are. Oh, okay. Well, see, Kevin Gossman's also at 52.7% on fastballs as well. That hmm. and yeah. So well, we could take a look, but I could have sworn it was uh splitters that go into fastballs and change-ups and maybe knuckle curves go into off-speed pitches. But it's been a while since I last did that little bit of research there. Uh, where were we? I thought I saw. Oh, there he is. Freddie Peralta, number 24. Oh, I see what happened. Okay. So uh, uh, the, 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 uh, red flag uh, with a low whiff rate, but a high off-speed velo. But we talked about him at nauseum already. Adrian Hauser, just something to keep an eye on. Uh, Miles Mikolas. <laughs> oh, no. Not again. <laughs> Not again. Always. Uh, Fremo Valdez, just when I thought I figured him out, there he is again with a 26 point. 26% whiff rate, so that's kind of mid-tier, but everything else looks good, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, uh, let's see, Lance Lynn, he's pretty decent as well. Let's, what's the average? Average is 85 miles an hour, so Okay, so what I have here on Kevin Gossman, just to kind of clarify the off-speed, so uh, he throws fastball 52.8% of the time, okay. and according to fan graphs, threw his split-fingered fastball, which is now outside you know uh 36.6 of the time with a 5.1 change up rate uh granted that was probably just their the same pitch um and that would bring him right to like 41 something percent that he was at so yeah that okay. uh, off speed is uh they've included splitters in off speed now okay that's all right uh, good. thank you for clarifying so the split finger does count on this one then uh, middle tier, 85.3 miles an hour. That belongs to Alex Wood and Zach Guffin. Those are two guys that we talked about already. Is there anybody else that kind of uh, screams off the page that you want need to talk about here? Nah, not really. I mean, it's – I don't need a, a breaking ball to be fast as long as it's good. Because I mean, you look at Max Scherzer – Off-speed, Scherzer, speed, oh, oh, off speed, sorry. Because um, to me, off-speed is less about – how it is and it's more about when you use it right i I think if you can get a guy into a a rocking chair where you don't really know if they're expecting a fastball or or hell even if they're expecting some sort of you know sinker in and you you give them a a change up that kind of fades away but tunnels out of the same spot i think that's a huge part about uh off-speed pitches too is getting them to tunnel correctly um off your fastball and that i mean jacob Degrom has kind of shown why that's so important um so yeah I'm, i'm not really to up in arms over off-speed velo because you can have good off-speed without the velo. Well, let's look at the bad off-speed, and it's a lot of crap in terms of the whiff rate. Uh, Keegan Aiken, I don't like him. Joey Lucchese, I know. I, I, he's, a and that's a weird pitch for him, but he has Tommy John surgery. So oh, he's you out, know what? So. I, shouldn't even, I shouldn't even be talking about him. He's 0.2% off-speed anyway, so it's not enough. Uh, well, the, the issue with his is he has that churve. It's like a change-up, but uh, it throws it. Okay, so it's curve grip, but I think he throws it with change up action. No, it's so, or vice versa. It's the weirdest pitch in baseball. It's, just, I, I don't know. It's uncategorical. Like, 
red, another red flag, Quang Young Kim, uh, proving my point that you still need some sort of velocity on your off speed to make it count. 21.6 whiff rate. I know it's not end all be all, but, but he also uh, doesn't throw hard to begin with. So like the velocity on that's always also going to be lower. Yeah. So that's uh, so yeah, a lot of issues there. Um, but, 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 nah, let's go move up a little bit more and we'll finish with that. Uh, again, Patrick Sandoval shows up. I'm just trying to see if we have Kenta Maeda, uh, despite the low velocity, but then again, he also comes with a 90 mile per hour fastball velocity, but he makes it work with a 29.3 whiff rate. Do you think he's going to bounce back in 2022? I, I hope so, man. He's a I mean, He was drafted player. so highly last year in a lot of leagues. I mean, because he almost won the Cy Young in 2020 in the he short season. He showed up on Aaron's uh, cocktail napkin when she was drafted. Oh, <laughs> the, infamous, the infamous. <laughs> really quick. Luis Garcia also shows up. Uh, yeah, low off-speed velo. Uses at 11%, but everything else, 30.5% whiff rate. So... Keep an eye on that. Um, and don't draft Randy Dobnak. Please, for the love of God, do not draft Randy Dobnak with the Twins. But he's got a cool mustache. Does it Does it handle Barwell? Oh, no. Okay, that, that's it. That's, I, that's the end of the show. Felipe did it one too many times. I'm going um, to handle Felipe off screen with my left hand. <laughs> oh, Randy Dobnak. But, hey, but at least he doesn't walk, guys, right? Uh, yeah, I believe he has very good control for last I checked, but I already closed this spreadsheet, so I don't care. No. <laughs> uh, so, uh, no Austin today. I think he's, a, he, excuse me, he told me he was on mini vacation. So I hope he enjoys it. Uh, I'm assuming he'll be back next week. Uh, there's other podcasts, Dong City. They should be coming up on Wednesday. Uh, the Step Back, I already talked about them. Football, I, I have no idea. They're going again uh, on a weekly basis now that the football season's over. They could use a break. Um, but uh, yeah, that's those are our other podcasts. Check us out on Spotify, Google Plus Podcast. Sorry, Google Podcast. Google Plus hasn't been around since five years now. <laughs> uh, I'm missing YouTube. I guess it's YouTube, there. You Google go Plus Google Podcast. Sorry, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, and I did mention YouTube. Uh, so you can see the spreadsheets. If you're listening to audio only, go check out our YouTube page as well. The to- uh, what, what, what are we? The uh, Life Group Podcast. Uh, we are the Total Basis Podcast here. For Sean, I am Felipe. We will see you all next week. Adios, guys.